Panera now delivers, so you can order good, clean food right to your office or door or porch or backyard or front yard or apartment or dorm or castle or shop or worksite or wherever for lunch, dinner, and everywhere in between. Click the banner to order or visit PaneraBread.com. Participating locations only. Panera. Food as it should be. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Girl Power Hour. Um, I have to let you guys know before we get into the show, uh, I have my special guest already on the line, and uh, we've already chatted. She's feeling a little under the weather, and um, but, I mean, we're all good. Just letting you guys know that um, she's kind of getting over a head cold, and I had some chakra work done yesterday, and uh, my stomach is like all kinds of wonky right now. So it just it, it, just so you know, we're both like pushing through because the show must go on. But it's just one of those situations where if anything weird happens, then you know it's because we're having a little bit of an off day. Also, it's like winter started all over again here uh, where I am in West Texas. So I'm not sure if any of you guys out there are experiencing that today. But most definitely the weather is a little off too, which I love because it's raining and it's overcast and it's cold. And that's my absolute favorite, all-time favorite day. Uh, so I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying. And I'm also not complaining about the chakra clearing. That's a good thing. Uh, that's a wonderful thing. It's just sometimes the healing crisis can be a little bit inconvenient, but that's okay. Um, I wanted to make a few quick announcements before we get to the guest today. Uh, we do have some great shows coming up, as always, next week, which normally we do the first of every month. The first Wednesday of every month is typically Psychic Wednesday. Um, well, it's still the same in that we still have our favorite psychic, Elizabeth Harbin, on. However, she is changing it up. We're doing a little a bit of a new twist on an old favorite, and she is offering dream interpretation. So rather than calling in and getting a free reading, uh, like a free psychic reading, you will be calling in and getting free dream interpretation. So if you're having any troubling or puzzling dreams, certainly be writing those down. Uh, if you've had a recurring dream, make note of that. And if you just have a dream in your past that you've just never been able to put together as to why you had that, if you can uh, remember exactly what it was, write down as much as you can and then call us. Of course, we're going to limit one dream per caller. And as always, calls are anonymous. Um, So that is next Wednesday, April 5th, 3 p.m. Central. Again, that's for dream interpretation. And you can call in. Uh, to get free dream interpretation from Elizabeth Harbin. And also know that you can always reach Elizabeth Harbin on Facebook. Uh, You can just locate her Elizabeth Harbin, or you can go through uh, Metaphysic Allies, and you can find her there, uh, metaphysicallies.com. You can also look on on the show page, which if you're listening, you're looking on it now. But you can go onto the show page, and you can uh, locate all of her information there, because you can contact her for a private reading. So if you would like to do that, maybe you've called before and you've had your one question answered, but you'd like to get more information, then feel free to set up a private reading with her. She has she offers 30 minutes, an hour long, and I, I think even she'll do uh, by the minute, depending on, you know, like if you just have one question, she can do that by the minute as well. And then, of course, uh, we have been doing, trying to do monthly, but we've missed the last month uh, because uh, this guest that I'm about to mention has had so much going on, so she'll have a lot to talk to us about, but Skylar Liberty Rose will be back with us on April 19th uh, for Tea Time, and so we will be discussing with her uh, her upcoming projects, things that she has been launching, and a book that she's working on, all kinds of fascinating, amazing things that Skylar is always doing, so we'll be talking with her then, and then Valerie Green, Relationship Coach, will return April 26th to offer free relationship advice to any callers. So be sure to call in and take advantage of that. It's not very often that you get free relationship coaching, certainly not from a professional, maybe every once in a while unsolicited advice from a friend, but certainly not relationship advice from a professional that you actually requested. So by all means, give us a call on April 26th to talk to Valerie about your relationship or any questions you might have. And even if you have a question about somebody else's relationship, we had a mother call about her son's relationship, not in a codependent way, just in a how do I support him in a situation that I don't really feel great about. How can I be supportive or helpful? Uh, And so, uh, you know, Valerie's great at giving that kind of advice too. So there's all kinds of stuff you can call about. Just call in. It's free. Can't hurt to try. Just give it a call. Give us a call and see what happens. As for today, I'm so honored and grateful to have 
Isabel Abbott on the show. Um, she is the author of Salt and Honey. She is a writer. Uh, she is someone that I found through Facebook and actually through my favorite fierce female, Skylar Liberty Rose, um, who is a huge fan of Isabel Abbott and actually spoke about Isabel on our show uh, just a couple of times when we had her on for tea time uh, a few months in a row. And so I get fascinated with any, anyone that Skylar's fascinated with. And so I uh, went online and, and found her and checked out her website, which I highly recommend that you do the same. Uh, if you want to do that now, you can go to Isabel Abbott, that's I-S-A-B-E-L-A-B-B-O-T-T dot com. Uh, check out everything she has to offer there. You can also find her book there. But she is with us today to discuss her book and just all things Isabel Abbott. So I'm excited to have her on. Isabel, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for, for having me and for the conversation. Uh, I do. I love uh conversing and connecting is one of my favorite things. So thank you. Yeah, and I see that with your Facebook page because I go on there and you have all these interesting conversations because you put out these questions that just kind of provoke not just everyday thought but like internal reflection, and I love that. So uh, I know that you obviously love that interaction and conversation with people. You really make people uh, not just think, but reflect on themselves and their experiences. Mm-hmm. I love that. So, so I'm going to mm-hmm. talk with you first you. about your book, and then I and then I want to get back to that because I love that you do that on Facebook. So I do want to get back to that and kind of what inspires that. But first, I want to talk about your book because I know that's one thing listeners really want to know all about, and I certainly want to know about. So, Salt and Honey. First of all, uh, tell me what inspired this book. Uh, A few things. I would say the writing had been happening for some time, right? So then when I sat down to to compile or to put it together, um, at least two-thirds of the writing had been happening over maybe two or three years. Uh, And then about a third of it was was new writing that came into it. Uh, So it would be uh, what many people I think would call poetry, Uh, is what I had been writing, and I have uh, a bit of an aversion myself to the word, not in reading it. I love reading poetry, uh, but had never found resonance, right, with that word to describe what it was I was writing. Uh, I'm sure some of that goes Mm -hmm. back to um, academic days and and literary days and feeling the sort of constraints uh, of, of categories themselves. Right, that it's like this is what this writing is, and this is what this writing is, and you have to fit it into all these forms, all of which I found right. to be rather patriarchal, right, in terms of the um, the authority yes. figure dictating, saying you can mm-hmm. do this and you can't do this. So poetry had never been a word I had I had claimed, uh, and and yet I will acknowledge in terms of category that's what the writing is, right, in terms of the um, the way it feels or the way it flows, the the mm-hmm. origins, really bringing it together into a book form, uh, was I am also a secular humanist. Uh, so I'm a, an atheist Quaker and a secular humanist and participate uh, in different forms and assert on cohorts and in different ways uh, in interreligious dialogue, right? And how do we mm-hmm. sort of bridge some of these differences or can we even bridge some of these differences or what does it mean to just converse? Uh, and connect and respect difference and distinction uh, when there's real religious difference and sometimes even religious conflict. Uh, so that's right. one realm that I've spent time in. And and then often because of that, uh, got asked to sort of um, at different events and different functions, uh, would ask to basically be the equivalent of would you give the prayer or the benediction or whatever, you know, language you want to use for it, for the, for the non-religious who will be present, right? Uh, can you say a mm-hmm. few words, uh, right? That was, I would just ask often in, in different uh, ways and in different contexts. And so it was a specific event that I had been on that was a collective of people coming together uh, for sort of like a public brief uh, in morning time and, and did and, and stood up and spoke and gave some of my words. And in that, sort of had a moment, I would say, of recognition of, of realizing that much of the writing that I do is what I would call secular prayers. Uh, right. That, I, that there's an orientation in it uh, that is deeply human and deeply interested and invested 
uh, in what it means to be in these bodies on this earth for this very limited time we're given. Uh, and yet uses or employs some of the language that we might call language of devotion, right, or mm. adoration or gratitude uh, or seeking uh, that we often find in religious texts. Uh, so that right. became, I would say, kind of what stuck there with me and wanting to bring it together, wanting to bring words together to both share with the world and offer ways of secular Pray. I love that. And I yeah. think that's what makes it so beautiful. I mean, it, it flows really beautifully, and, and, and that's exactly what makes it flow that way. Because it, And I see exactly why, you know, in that way, although, you, like you said, it would be categorized as poetry, it, it truly isn't. There's something deeper to it. And I don't, I'm not saying that poetry is not deep, but there's just something more... Um, more to it than that, because agreed, I, uh, you know, as a writer myself, um, I think as, well, as any creative form, I'm not even going to say, I'm not even just going to put it in the in the writing aspect, I'm also an artist, and I don't paint by other people's standards, you know, I don't title my pieces by other people's standards, um, and so in the same way, I totally understand that, it's like, you know, what, why can't it just be what it is, why does it have to be in your box in order to fit that category, but yes, I agree, and so, you know, because you've done this in such a way that it seems, and I know that, you know, from this this perspective, it may not seem this way, like, you know, you say that you're an atheist Quaker, but there is certainly a vast difference. I've had this conversation just recently, and there's a vast difference between spirituality and religion. There's certainly a spiritual backing in this. Um, so that's that's where that flow is. It's very beautiful. I love it. Mm, thank you. Yeah. So now when you, I have to ask you this too, because I've been fascinated with the title, you know, uh, a title really is everything to me. I, when I title paintings, when I title any of my works, anything that I do, even performance art pieces, the title is everything for me because it speaks, you know, volumes. I have been fascinated with your title. It speaks so much to me, salt and honey. So I would like to ask you what inspired you to use that title. Uh, I would say a, a few things. Um, I mean, yeah, I would say there's sort of three answers. Uh, I, they're two of my favorite things, period. So just salt and honey as things, right, in the world. Uh, I, though I live in a very landlocked Chicago by a big lake, salt water, I live in the middle. Uh, I am desperate often <laughs> to get to the ocean. <laughs> Uh, so, so I do. I feel most at rest. I feel most at ease. Or I would say I feel most at home, right? When I can be by salt water. Uh, I also, I mean, from a young child, I have memories of, of even like the rock salt that would be used to make uh, in like ice cream when you're churning ice cream in one of those old fashioned uh, things yeah. you use rock salt in it. And I just wanted to actually eat the rock salt like I do. I love it. <laughs> uh, my body wants it, uh, and I'm just like, yeah, get rid like. Pass over the sugar, give me salt any day. Uh, yeah, and, and, but as far as the, yeah, right? Uh, as the sweetness goes, there is something about honey that has always sort of, uh, that's spoken to me. And I think it's the slowness of it. Uh, there's something mm. about it that is, by its nature, uh, takes time, right? To even like get it yeah. out takes time. Uh, and so those yeah. things together, I have a lot of in my life. Uh, so there's that yeah. piece. Uh, that I do really, um, that I love. I also think it speaks to contradictions, uh, and mm-hmm. that was a big, a big part of I think the the secular prayers themselves, uh, as mm-hmm. well as what I'm sort of getting at, right? Which is, you know, you said there's this difference between uh, spirituality and religion, and and yeah. I would absolutely yeah. agree. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think even sometimes in spirituality and in spirituality circles, there's uh, a need for not just transcendence, uh, but there's also a need for uh, a kind of congruency that can ultimately ask us to sever off parts of ourselves. Uh, it right. it just does, right? It wants everything to line up, but it wants everything to match. Uh, and so there's something about embracing what I would call contradiction 
uh, as being part of what it is to be human and perhaps one of our most human things. Uh, so I, I do. Um, I deeply love that, and I think it speaks to that. And it also is referencing uh, an actual poem uh, that's not mine, <laughs> um, right. which is uh, Carl Sandberg's, uh, no, Chicagoan, uh, wrote a poem called Honey and Salt. Uh, that that I I love uh, I just I do I've always loved the poem so it's sort of a, a referencing back to that um, and the, the line in that poem is there are sanctuaries holding honey and salt uh, and I've always loved it yeah that's beautiful well and I have to tell you too uh, and I know you talk very openly about sex and um, which I love <laughs> as well because. That is a discussion that is something that should just be an open discussion with everyone, in my opinion. It's part of us, you know. It's a, and actually, in my personal experience, it's a, you know, one of the more, it's a divine gift. I mean, it's, it's definitely something that we've been given as a blessing. It's a beautiful thing. So, um, in, when you, when I first read the title, I'm, I'm going to be honest, like the very first time that I felt myself fascinated with the title of the book. Um, aside from, because I am someone that has a very vivid, uh, you know, I guess imagery in my mind comes up really, really mm-hmm. quickly. So I do in, immediately taste the salt, you know, and I do uh, taste mm-hmm. the honey. I do immediately have that experience. But I have to say that nine and a half weeks, the movie came up in my head as well, because <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Years ago, yes. Yeah. It's all coming back to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it rushes back pretty quickly. It doesn't take much of a trigger. Yeah, um, but uh, like you know uh-huh. that 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 scene, uh, you know, with honey and the many different flavors mm-hmm. and foods and just you know peppers and everything else. It's like, oh wow, love that title. Mm-hmm. That's amazing because it just hits me on so many different mm-hmm. levels. So way to go on on titling that because again, it's it's all in the title and it's so intriguing the title alone. Um, and not just the salt and honey, also secular prayers for the human heart, but that particular piece really draws you in. So, especially if you've ever watched mm-hmm. Nine and a Half Weeks, really draws you in. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> uh-huh. Thank you. <laughs> um, those, are, those are great memories to bring back for people. Um, so, whenever I first you know, asked you to be on the show, you gave me uh, some information, you know, and I, I kind of just quoted it on our site. And, um, you know, I'm not sure if everybody's read this or not, but I just want to read this, uh, what you said. This is just kind of about your life. But you said, my life and personhood are marked and sometimes marred by experiences of love and severed losses, religious oppression and illness and trauma and wonder of survival. The stories of how these things came and shaped me leaving me changed. First of all, that's beautiful, which I wouldn't expect anything less because you are a a beautiful, talented writer. So um, that doesn't surprise me. But there's so much in that that brings me to a curious point. So um, Mm -hmm. you you talk about your uh, experiences of love and loss, which I think, of course, we all, you know, have certainly experienced. Religious oppression, which whether we know it or not, we all have experienced. Um, mm-hmm. illness and trauma, which whether we know it or not, mm-hmm. we all have experienced and the wonder of survival. But when you talk about how uh, these things came and shaped you and, and left you changed, can you, can you give us some of that history, some of that life story? Mm-hmm. I know we don't have a long time here, but, but I would love to hear some. Right. Yeah. Uh, yes, um, I can. I, I would say a uh, short answer is, you know, it's obviously it's a whole life, and there's um, there's a lot, right? There's a lot there, and and there are things I choose, as I think we all do. There are things I choose to speak of, and things I choose not to, or there are things I choose to speak of uh, in in writing differently, right? That they come out uh, in salt and honey, but are not a narrative that I would give, uh, and I hold them as private in that way, and I I do. I think that's true yeah. for all of us, and we're as artists in the process of discovery of both exposing uh, and concealing. And and the dance right. of that is part of why art's so meaningful to me. Uh, I will say in terms of 
you know, some of the narrative is that uh, I did. I, I grew up in uh, a religiously oppressive uh, environment, uh, and also a lot of uh, physical uh, and sexual violence was part of uh, my earlier, my, that's one of my, even my earliest memories and experiences of being human in this world. Uh, and that does have a profound effect uh, and impact. And, and I feel deep uh, appreciation is the word I would have to use, and gratitude uh, for my many younger selves uh, who made real profound sacrifices uh, to survive. Uh, and those mm-hmm. things I don't think we get back, right? We, we can grow up right. and we can move forward, and there's healing that can happen, and we don't get to go back and have do-overs. So some of the choices that are made in those moments uh, in order to survive are ultimately um, life-saving, uh, and and it means I didn't get to have some uncertain experiences. So I have great gratitude uh, toward my younger selves for making those choices so I do get to be here now because uh, I do have to say now it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm just grateful, right? I'm grateful I get to be here human and alive and experience all kinds of things, and that only happens. Uh, because I made uh, choices that were impossible choices uh, that I would want no one to have to make. Um, and that's a long process, right? So it was all from like 15 on in my adolescence of uh, a lot of fighting. I have a strong fighter in me uh, that worked really hard, I would say, to fight back. Uh, and in that process began to, um, as I think the brain is also developing, might begin to make connections into larger systemic oppressions and realize just how vast um, it all is and how specific uh, the, the systems are that are designed, right? They're really designed this way. They're intended to oppress and they're intended to harm. Yeah. Uh, it's not an accident. Yeah. It's not a mistake. It's not broken. Right. It's actually working as it was meant to. So that all exactly. really uh, started to come alive for me at that point. And I think supported me, I would say, in my own process, which was it, it began to really radicalize me uh, in a way that was deeply instrumental uh, to, my own, um, to my own survival uh, and to getting here. Uh, and that has looked like many different things, right, at many different times. There are times when it was absolutely uh, just scraping by. And I think to someone, you know, from the outside, not in my experience, would uh, make assumptions, right? Would think, oh, that's someone who's trying to harm themselves, or I've always said, you know, it looks like I'm like hell bent on destruction. And I would say, like, oh no, I was deeply saving my own life uh, in that yeah. process, uh, right? Well, I was, I was just saving my own life uh, and fighting mm-hmm. back uh, and and learning in that uh, how to, I would say, uh, reconcile. Uh, or reckon uh, with reality and to come land mm-hmm. fully into reality, which for me was to find ways to come uh, land fully back into this body of mine uh, and and live, right, just the choices to live. Uh, and I think some yeah. of what I'm speaking to in, in that you know, bio, whatever you'd want to call that, that I, I sent you is I do, I, I notice often uh, in many different communities uh, whether they be, you know, spiritual religious communities, uh, oftentimes healing or self-help uh, communities, you would uh, get this as well, uh, which is, um, I think mean, how I be specific with my language, uh, it is <laughs> a, a desire or a belief uh, that we can transcend to the point where we are not impacted, and that's not true. Uh, right. And so I think we get to become fully alive sometimes. I think we can embrace reality. I think we can uh, be fully present and stay with ourselves uh, if we choose and if uh, we have the privilege and means to sometimes be able to gain the support to do so. And we are impacted and we are allowed to be impacted uh, by what has right. happened to us. And I would love to begin to change some of the, um, the culture itself. Uh, right, that seeks to deny that uh, and, yeah. and allow space for the impact of our lives, uh, which is to be fully human. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. And, and let me say to that, you know, that's part of the, well, in my opinion, <laughs> that's 
part of the purpose. Like that seems like that's part of the purpose of being here. It's not to like disengage and disconnect and not be impacted by what's going on and just live our lives in our little bubbles. It's to be impacted and to to be impacted by not just what happens to us, but by what happens to others and by what happens to other creatures and by what happens to the planet itself and like become more connected and more engaged on that level so that, you know, we are living because otherwise we're just part of the machine, you know, like we're just exactly what darkness would love us to be, you know, like we're exactly like you said. I mean, the oppress the oppression is designed. This is a, Mm-hmm. A world built on entropy, it is designed to, you know, kind of implode, and that's exactly what it's doing. I mean, that's exactly what it's designed to do, and it, it, there's a certain level of power that one of us possesses. Um, you know, you have found yours. Uh, I feel like I have found mine, and I continue to find, and you'll continue to find, and we continue to intensify those powers and abilities. Um but there, are, there is a great world of force out there trying to keep that from happening for everyone, trying to hold everyone down and keep them from being able to live their life mission, their sole purpose. So 100% agreed. I have to say that I love what you said about your grateful and appreciative to your younger self. I, I love that so much I wrote it down because it's – Something that uh, I'm sure speaks to all listeners. I know it speaks to me personally. I've said often many times, and I hear you saying this without actually saying the words, but I hear you saying this. I feel like I have lived multiple lifetimes in this lifetime because I have evolved through so many different stages and so many different, you know, even my look has changed so many different times Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's a different woman uh, now than what I, you know, came into this planet uh, as how I how I arrived. And maybe it's that, you know, and I'm skipping a little, but I know that as a writer you'll get this. I, I feel like, and I know listeners know me, so they'll understand, but I think it's kind of interesting. I've ha- I had a friend once when I was going through my own therapy, my own counseling, uh, I had a friend once that was kind of with me when I was, you know, when you do that, you get, there's a lot of anxiety that comes up, right? Because all your stuff is surfacing wounds that you've, you know, subconsciously suppressed because you didn't want to deal with it and you didn't, you know, block memories and all sorts of stuff. And you get really anxious. And I remember, you know, turning to my friend, talking about all of this, and I just looked at her and finally said, you know, I just feel like I'm losing my mind. And she said the most profound thing that stuck with me from that moment forward. She responded with the best response and said, could it be that you are just now finding it? And I feel like maybe that's what happens. If we come into this planet as meant to be, right? We come into this planet, from my opinion, we come into this planet from another space, another time. We, we're sent into this planet for different purpose. And then when we arrive at this place where we have finally, like you said, our younger selves have gone through all these sacrifices, have done all of this to survive, we get to this place where we are, if not more healed, we are certainly on that path of healing. And it's almost as if we, we do begin to find ourselves, like the person that we came into the planet to be that so many forces in between then and now tried desperately to destroy, but we just didn't allow it. And so, yeah, that's, yeah, that's and I, I love it. I'm yeah, grateful. To me, yeah. Mm-hmm. It speaks to me to the, that sort of, and again, the secular humanist, as I, so I have to laugh as I say this, but it speaks, it speaks mm. to the mystery Right to me, mm-hmm. that's a great mystery. Which is there's this, it's unknown, right? And so, right. Uh, you know, of course, of course, I think back, and I'm like, I don't know who I would be today uh, if I had right. been, if I those horrible things hadn't happened to me. Of course, I wish they hadn't happened, and it's also true. I don't know who I would be today. Uh, it is a mystery, right. right? And I don't know who I am becoming in some ways. That too is a mystery, and 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 I both love and experience profound discomfort, right? I would say in that, Mm -hmm. which I think is a a very sane human response to it. Uh, I do. I think there's a great deal of pathologizing, is the word I would use, pathologizing the language we use around the ways that we are often impacted, right? And it's like, no, this is actually, just as you said, you know, am I finding my mind? I, I think there are many times where it's like, this is the same response. Uh, true mm-hmm. horror 
and to trauma. And and the way that we often uh, pathologize that, I believe, is a way of keeping people silent, right? And right. then create ideas or standards or ideals that are comp- not just unrealistic, but that are a form of violence themselves, right? Yeah, Instead of being in the truth and the reality mm-hmm. of saying, like, no, mm-hmm. this is, I am becoming, and, and I will speak truthfully, uh, of what it was mm-hmm. and uh, and remain in the unknown at the same time mm-hmm. uh, and say there's all of this. There's this vast unknown uh, that I can't know and may never know. Uh, so to be really bold, I would say, in speaking the truth uh, with a significant amount of humility. <laughs> I would also yeah. say yeah. Uh, I can see a lot looking back that have known men, um, which is why sure. it's gratitude, right, because I made those choices not knowing. Uh, that I would exactly. even get to be able to get to this point. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you speak about uh, pathologizing these things. I agree with you there as well. You know, uh, my background's in counseling, so this is not a slam on counselors at all. This is, a, I guess, more of a call to awareness uh, because, you know, as a life coach now, I, I work very hard with making sure that people know that they are not broken, you know, like <laughs> they are surviving. <laughs> And that's whatever they've been doing, dysfunctional or not, is an effort to survive. And quite honestly, if it's an outspoken effort to survive, in other words, if it's something that society can see, then bravo, because at least you're letting us know, hey, I got something to say. You know, I need to deal with something. Help me deal with it. Let's get me some guidance. Because as you said, like, that silence is the scariest part. And I, I quote Rage Against the Machine on this, but, you know, they have a lyric in song mm-hmm. that says silence can be violent, sort of like a split wrist. And that's exactly true. I mean, mm-hmm. silence is not something mm-hmm. you ever want. And when there's pain, by all means, speak it. In whatever way you need to, get it spoken so that people can hear that and, and, and help, you know, with the recovery process. And, and you know, you mentioned Absolutely. the trauma. Um, I know that this is something, I, and I want to say this because I'm being called to say it, and I feel like the listeners need to hear it for whatever reason, but, you know, I myself, uh, similar situation to your upbringing, and so uh, I myself uh, had, you know, gone through the counseling to deal with PTSD. And I remember the first time that I announced to the world that I had PTSD, and I, I got all these, oh, I'm so sorry that you, you know, it was like this I, I, even though I didn't see it as like a diagnosis, I saw it as like a, a freedom. You know, it was like, no, I know right. where my anxiety yep. attacks have been coming from. I know mm-hmm. where my depression was coming from. I know what was going on, and it makes perfect sense to me because I was in war, you know. Like I grew up in, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a different type of war. It's not like bombs were being dropped, but they were being dropped. It's just they weren't physical bombs, but they were emotional ones, and they were sexual ones, and they were, you know, so there's all these different bombs being dropped on me, and it was left and right, and I was having to constantly watch myself and make sure that I was covered and, you know, in the trenches when someone else, I mean, it's the exact same sort of thing, just trying to survive it. Yeah. And so I don't yeah. see these things as like, oh, you're broken because you have a diagnosis. No, mm-hmm. you're not broken because you have a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you have been given an answer to the question. And really, honestly, that quote-unquote diagnosis is always just a symptom of whatever was going on with your knees, you know. like, And it's just an, explain- <laughs> it's just an explanation. It's like when you go to the doctor and say, you know, I've been sneezing and coughing, and they're like, we have allergies. But it's like, that doesn't define you, right? You're not like, you're not like a walking allergy. You're right, a person, right. right? And you just have these mm-hmm. allergies. It's the same thing. It's like, this is just uh, what you went through, and these are the symptoms. And here, here's the name we have for those symptoms. That's it. It's that right. simple. It doesn't right. mean anything about you. It doesn't right. define you as a person. Yeah, I love that. I love that you're on. And, and so on that topic, as I said in the beginning mm-hmm. of the show, on your Facebook page, you are good about discussing mm-hmm. these sort of things. You're good about, you know, getting mm-hmm. in people involved in these sorts of conversations like what you and I are having now. You are uh, <laughs> someone that puts out these provocative, and I don't mean like controversial. I mean like you provoke thought mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, mm-hmm. reflection. Um, and sometimes maybe the topic is, you know, to some maybe controversial, but whatever. I mean, you always put these great questions out or just points of conversation and then you ask for people to respond what what makes you like what started that when did that start when did you want to and then and then how do you know because you continue to do it I know that you love it so just explain like what started it and why do you continue to do it because I think it's fantastic Mm. 
Uh, I mean, so sh- I would say the shortest answer is I obviously, like I said in the beginning, I enjoy it, right? So I, I enjoy it. I, I find it really pleasurable and, and sometimes meaningful, and I learn a lot. Uh, I learn through engagement uh, and dialogue mm-hmm. as well, and I love being in that space, that tension. Right? I, I mean, I think that's yeah. very human. <laughs> it's just to always be in those yeah. sort of tension between things and, and in the space between, like, I can go on and say whatever I want, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I have a voice. I use it. Uh, I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, I'm not shy about sharing them. Uh, is absolutely true. Uh, so in that sense, um, yeah, by all means, I'm just like have at it and speak up. And uh, and I don't learn in the same way as when I'm in, engaged right with others. And someone says something, and and then you're like, oh, I, I actually haven't thought of it in that way. Uh, and that actually can only exist when engagement's happening, right? That sort of space between. Uh, when you have mm-hmm. two people or more people in a room, and it can't be, uh, you, you don't ever get the exact same dynamic again, which is also why I love engagement, right? right? That sort of intimacy piece of it. Uh, so as a just a way of being here, human and alive, I enjoy it, and, and it's a lot of how I want to be spending my time. In terms of on that platform, I would say it's been a real surprise to me. I don't think when I first hopped on Facebook, uh, that it would have occurred to me that I would be having real conversation uh, and back and forth dialogue that way on a platform like that. Uh, so that piece has been a real surprise to me. I do it often in person, um, whether it be, again, in groups of people or facilitating even, right, some like really difficult conversations and difficult dialogue. I right. deeply enjoy that as well. And then to be in this online space and to sort of watch it happen and involve uh, has been, for me, a, a lot of fun. I mean, sometimes, again, yes, sometimes the subject matter is painful or difficult, but it's still fun for me is what I would say. Uh, yeah. and, and I do think I have what makes it possible uh, is that I, I get that it's a public in that way, like I don't always have public settings on everything I share on there, but it is a public forum, right? It's not actually my living room. Uh, it is public, right. and I'm really clear on the parameters if we're in my conversation in my space, which is different than someone else who posts something and I'm responding there. So in that sense, I would say I'm really clear on what's allowed and what's not allowed, uh, and there are certain kinds of comments and things, and they will be uh, immediately uh, deleted and kicked out, or they will be, I will call people on it. There are um, things we just don't do in my space. We don't victim blame. We don't slut shame. Uh, Black Lives Matter. Muslim Lives Matter. That, right? That's just, those are my terms and rules of yeah. engagement. Uh, is what right. I would say. So I think having that and folks getting to sometimes see how that then happens, how that sort of engagement happens, invites it in and allows people to know this is a place where, I don't even know if I'd use the word safe, because uh, I think it can be really confronting and uncomfortable sometimes, uh, but this is a mm-hmm. place uh, where harm or an attack won't happen, but deeply challenging right. uh, one another mm-hmm. can uh, so that sort of evolution of that has been uh, fa- fascinating uh, to me to just sort of experience. And and then I would say some of it's just transparency uh, and that I do choose to sort of show up not as expert. Uh, again, absolutely. Right. Uh, I have a body of work. Um, I, I'm, I've worked hard <laughs> in lots of ways, right? Mm-hmm. So oftentimes what I'm writing or sharing, it's not coming from nowhere, right? It's coming uh, from a lot of work that I've done uh, and from real lived experience as well. And I'm not coming in as expert uh, saying this is right. uh, the way it has to be. This is the way it needs to be. So I'm sort of transparent in that and saying this is where I'm at in the process in the moment with something. Uh, let's talk. Yeah. Well, I love that you do that. Uh, I know that it's something that, you know, you said I wouldn't necessarily call it safe because some of it is uncomfortable. I will say that mm-hmm. that's actually the first word that did come to my mind was safe. And the reason that I would even say that, mm-hmm. even though I totally agree that, you know, people are going to have to get a step out of their comfort zones. But I'm a big believer mm-hmm. that that's where growth happens. Like, you know, nothing really good comes mm-hmm. from being in the comfort mm-hmm. zone all the time. Stepping outside of it is where you grow and learn and evolve. So, 
Um, and some of us, like you said earlier, like we were talking about before, we got pushed out of those comfort zones pretty early on. So it's just something that you just continue mm-hmm. to do because that's what grows and evolves you. But but I would say safe because, you know, uh, just in in the counseling field, you know, you have group sessions, right? Group counseling is, although it's a, it, the groups in, in and of themselves are certainly, you know, typically not on Facebook and certainly not set to public and they're typically confidential, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, um, they, the purpose of them is to be able to take those skills that you learn in that group and apply them out into the larger group, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. the world around you. So mm-hmm. that specific situation, I think, does apply. It, it does create a safe place because just like in group counseling, you are the facilitator and you are the one that keeps mm-hmm. that group safe. So when a toxin comes on board, which happens in group counseling as well, there's toxins, they may get a warning or they may get removed immediately depending on what they do and how they violate the terms of engagement. And so in that way, I do completely agree. It's safe. It's a it's an opportunity for people to come on there and, you know, really express themselves and talk about something. And I don't know if you really understand how wonderful that is for people mm-hmm. and how much healing it provides even without you necessarily mm-hmm. knowing it because just the opportunity to share your story or the fact that anybody even cares mm-hmm. to hear it is healing, mm-hmm. healing in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So I love that you do that. And mm-hmm. oh, thank you. say, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you from the world. Thank you from me. Thank you from everybody that's experienced that because that's, a, that's an opportunity to heal and that's a wonderful thing. Not everybody offers that. Certainly not on social media. Um, the other thing that I love, you know, you have been really, you mentioned, you know, Black Lives Matter, you mentioned all the, you know, no slut shaming. I love that when you do talk, there is no, you know, you're no holds barred, right? You're going to say what you say regardless. <laughs> now, one thing that I'd love that you mentioned, because I feel the same way. I'm very much of a truth speaker. I don't have time for anything less. Like, don't. You know, there's no reason not to speak your truth because that's what we're here to do. And um, so I love that you do that. But you also you also have these very clear boundaries that you stated earlier, just even about your social media. So whenever you're talking about this, you know, like, there's not going to be a Black Lives, you know, you're not going to come on and, and start bashing the whole Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, come on, you know, that's, of course, it's all lives matter, yes. Of course, you know, don't jump on and say that stuff because we know what you're basically saying. <laughs> and it isn't that all lives matter because if you thought they did, you'd be cool with black lives matter. So, you know, it, you, right. you just knock all that out. Without even getting into debate, you just knock it out. Like you just right. say, no, this will happen. And I love that because even saying that today to the listeners, it's like that's a message that the world needs. When you have your space, whether it be, you know, wherever it is, social media, in your home, if you're at a coffee shop, wherever it is, the space around you is sacred. The space that you create for yourself is sacred. And so your, you know, because we're talking about Facebook, your Facebook page is a sacred space you create for yourself. When you invite people in, that they are a guest on your page. They come in and they offer their, you know, thoughts, opinions, whatever. You do not have to just lie down, you know, and be victim to all of their <laughs> thoughts. Yes, we can all be different, and we can all love each other even though we have different perspectives, but if your perspective is about oppressing me, that's a whole different story. If your perspective or your quote-unquote opinion is really called racism or sexism or, you know, predator or whatever, then no, it's a whole different story. And you can call Absolutely. people out for that. You can set your boundaries. Absolutely. And you can make sure that you keep those toxins out of your life and more to the point, hold people mm-hmm. accountable because somebody needs to, you know, because that's the only way they're ever going to change. And they may, may never change, but they're certainly not going to if people keep allowing it. So thank you for doing that too. And thank you for making that clear not only on the show, but to all of those that are on your page because when they see you do it, it gives them permission to do it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think that there's a lot around that, right? There's just the, the consent piece, uh, which is so yeah. just so foundational to so much of the work, right, that I do and, and my own values, right. uh, which is that we are so accustomed to a culture of not just oppression but of dominance, right, uh, and what I would even call like toxic aggression. Uh, so just that, this idea that someone can come into a space and say whatever they want in whatever way they want, uh, and then, you know, again, it's like, no, in my space, that's not true. You won't be asked to leave. If you're that, you will just be 
kicked out. Uh, and, right. and it's because there are those who are in the tension, right? It's not even because we're all in agreement here and if you disagree, it's like, no, we're in a lot of disagreement. We're in a lot of tension here. But that behavior is absolutely, it's, it's a behavior and it's not accepted and it's not allowed, not in my spaces uh, and not with me. Right. And not I, like you said, I don't have time. I don't have time for it. Uh, there, there are people who are deeply willing to be in the discomfort and to actually learn and say, how do we begin to dismantle these things and how do we confront our own whiteness and how do we do this different and that I am invested in, uh, bullshit I'm not and I won't. Right. Uh, and I think it makes it, right, safe for others. Uh, and the reminder of, like, no, we're not entitled to anything of someone else's. We're just not. So you, right. you're not entitled to my time. You're not entitled uh, to any of it. And none of us have to be there on social media. I also think of that piece too, right? And I'm just like, no, it, it is consent. If you also, if you don't want to, right, if there's something happening, then you, you can just leave. Uh, none of us are, are required there. So coming into the space uh, with respect for people's dignity, uh, but real clear boundaries, absolutely, just boundaries on behavior. Uh, but it's yeah. not okay. And, and I'm not going to discuss it, it's true. Uh, it's not up for discussion. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. no. It's just no. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, that I love, too, because it is that it comes back to that consent piece. And that's something that and maybe this is something that, you know, uh, we as survivors and when I say we, I mean the collective we. I'm not just talking about you and I because I know vast many of listeners feel that same way. Of course, there are vast many of our listeners are women. And so I qualify you all as um, survivors because if you're a woman, you've, you've been surviving, you know, for sure. I mean, you've had to fight your fight. So I get it. Um, we're all there in some some way or another. We've certainly all, as women, had to uh, deal with the issue of consent in one way or another, you know, whether it be just walking down the street and getting sexually harassed because somebody's whistling or calling us names or whatever, or if it's because, you know, we've been raped or because we've been sexually abused, whatever varying degree uh, we've had to deal with, it's certainly there. And the idea that, you know, we can take that level of consent and we can discuss that on bigger realms and on you know general forums like like facebook where you know you said i'm not going to discuss not up for discussion if you do this it's just it is what it is i don't have time to sit here and debate with you why it's not okay i'm just gonna it's no period i'm just saying no well it's the same thing it's like something that we really can learn from and start applying in other areas of our lives is that we as women as humans period but i'm speaking to women because i know uh, this certainly applies on a, a bigger scale with regard to uh, sexual abuse and, and sexual assault um, and sexual harassment. We as women, you know, have somehow been trained through, through many years and eons of, of oppression that, you know, we owe an explanation for our no. But we don't. We don't owe an explanation. We don't have to give an expl explanation because we deny consent. We can just say no, and it's fine, and we don't have to explain. We can just say no. And the same goes for anything in life that is not comfortable, that doesn't feel right, that isn't for you, that isn't a fit, that you don't want. Just say no, and you don't have to explain why, and you don't have to apologize. You don't owe anybody any explanations. Just no. Right. It's fine. Right. And so I love that you it's do good. that. It because, is again, complete. that sends that message. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. it's yeah. a it's a wonderful it way to. Yeah, yeah. I'm just with you. I just think it's so we're so socialized right around it to mm -hmm. uh, to absolutely uh, hear no to hear someone else's no as as a, a negotiation instead of right. a statement. Right. Uh, and we are right. and it just I think it starts from such a young 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 age. I mean, even in like not necessarily like horribly abusive or oppressive environments, right? The way we engage with children around it and like they sure. know and then we like start talking them out of it. It's it's really it's actually right. really quite fucked up. Uh so right. we do, I think we do just all learn it in some way and, and that mm -hmm. beginning to sort of shift that again is one of those larger cultures that I'm here to, to actually change it to make. I want to make a consent culture uh instead of a, yeah. a culture of dominance which really is about hearing no it is it is a complete answer it's not just that you don't owe an explanation uh it's just the expectation or assumption that again you are even entitled to a further conversation uh is where i take <laughs> issue and of course m my experience is the 
lots of people do it. Uh, the largest offenders in, in my own life have been white men. Uh, I see white people mm-hmm. in general uh, do it with people of color all the time. Of course, uh, in a way all that is completely, completely unacceptable. Uh, and and yeah, as a woman, I would say white men have been the the largest ones where I say no over anything, uh, and then they keep mm-hmm. talking as if they didn't hear. Uh, and that exactly. actually is the problem. I just just stop it down there. Um, I did actually yeah. on Facebook uh, have a post. <laughs> I don't know, it was a few weeks back, uh, but finally just did say in a very public way, obviously if, if you're following me, if you're connected on here, um, you you are allowed to be, right? You're allowed to be, and I'm posting in a way that you're reading. Uh, and given how much space uh, white men take up uh, in yeah. the culture of the world where I live in and the rooms that I am, um, you might just want to consider uh, that this space, if you want to come spend time with me, is an opportunity to actually just listen. Uh, yeah. Not because to say it doesn't matter or isn't interesting. It's just that you take up a lot of space, uh, and I, I think that inability to even stop, right, and begin to listen uh, is where part of it breaks down. Like they hear the no, and it's like yes, but. And they go, there is no yes, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer was no. Mm-hmm. I've read that post, and I believe I high fived you <laughs> <laughs> many times. Uh, in complete agreement with it because, you know, it is something that, and, and, you know, I'm glad you brought this up too. Um, I don't know how many conversations I've either stepped into, like, you know, happened upon or was involved in because someone brought it, you know, my way onto my page, but, uh, you know, following a post I'd made personally, but the whole idea of doing this, not just to women, but to, to minorities, with people of color and the idea that it's a constant thing I hear uh, they want explanations for why something is racist or why it's white privilege mm-hmm. or what, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, why do mm-hmm. I have to explain this mm-hmm. to you? I am black and I am telling you this is racist. Okay. Done. I'm a woman and I am telling you that is sexist. Done. Period. Why do I have to explain to you why it is? I mean, I'm, I'm the expert on this. You are not. So stop coming to me as if I, I need to tell you why, because if you want to learn why, then go take a diversity class. But don't ask me to explain it because that's not my job. I'm just telling you, based mm-hmm. on my own experience, what I know to be true and the fact that I need to tell you because that's my level of consent and what I'm telling you is no. And I'm telling you why I'm telling you no, which is because you're being racist. And that's really all you need to hear from that point on, you know. And I don't even have to give you that much. So, yeah, absolutely, I completely agree and high five on that. Uh, you can post that again if you'd like. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. So, yeah, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, and I have to say, see, I told you this hour flies, so we have uh, like mm-hmm. seven minutes left in the show. Um, first of all, I want to really say again, like, thank you for all that you do. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if you hear that enough, or if you if you even know it, if you ever hear it. I can't imagine that you don't. But the work that you do, both your book the writing that you do, the website where you offer people to come and work with you, mm-hmm. um, which, again, listeners, if you haven't checked out the website, please do, isabelabbott.com, I-S-A-B-E-L-A-B-B-O-T-T.com. Um, but just, you know, what, what most people find, I guess, to be dismissive sometimes is our Facebook space, but it isn't. It really truly isn't because it's become where we share a great deal of our lives and our hearts with others. And it's, you know, it's like the modern-day form of letter writing. I mean, we are basically catching the Mm -hmm. world up, you know, the world that we create for ourselves around us um, with our thoughts and our experiences and our days. And, you know, we may not share everything, or we may share everything, whatever, no judgment. Mm -hmm. We just, but we get on there and we live our lives, and and that's part Mm -hmm. of it. And some of us pull out sometimes, and some of us jump back in. Um, Mm -hmm. But the work that you do there is extremely valuable and very healing mm-hmm. for those that are, you know, engaging, for those that are just observing, um, you know, for those like me that happen upon you because I have a favorite fierce female who talks so highly, speaks so highly of you. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's really truly something that's a light in a very uh, sometimes seemingly very dark world. 
and the more light that, you know, we see the better. And so just, man, thank you for that. I really appreciate that you're doing mm-hmm. that. Um, thank you for doing it. Well, thank you for the acknowledgement. Um, yeah, really, thank you. Uh, and and it is strange, I'll just say that, right? I didn't, I mean, I couldn't have imagined the Internet. I certainly couldn't have imagined social media, you know, back in the 40s. So, like, when I was in college, I think when it was all sort of starting, I just I couldn't have even imagined it. Uh, and it is what it is, and it will become what it will become. Uh, I'm a late a, a adapter, adopter, whatever they call that. That's true. So it took me a long time to even start texting, things like that. Uh, <laughs> it's slow in those ways. And, and it is, right? It is, it is a lot of um, um, how we do life now and the part that uh, I'm absolutely here for and down for and grateful for is the amount of silencing I have known, right, and the amount of power structures we do have. Uh, and I think it offers voice and it gives that power in ways uh, that should not be dismissed uh, or downplayed, uh, right? That we actually do get to speak uh, and, and in a way reach people uh, where there used to be uh, people who were sort of the gatekeepers, right, of that. Right. Uh, and that has shifted. Uh, and I think that's actually tremendous. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I Before we go, uh, because, you know, obviously anybody that's tuned into this is just now fascinated with you. If they've never heard of you before, they certainly want to hear more from you and more about you. So other than your website, I mean, I know you have the website, but how can people contact you on that website? How can they be involved? Can they contact you on Facebook? Can you give us all that information? Yeah, absolutely. Um, on the website, uh, just isabelabit.com, there is uh, there's a contact you can click, it just goes to my email. You're free to reach out. People email me all the time, sometimes just to share their stories uh, or they have questions or whatever, so you can always connect with me that way. Uh, and, and yeah, which is, it's going to come straight to my email, so it's not a, a platform on the website itself. Uh, but you can learn more about different right. things that I'm doing and offering uh, there as well. Uh, and then, yes, I, um, I'm on Facebook. I don't do Twitter, uh, but I'm on Facebook and Instagram. And, yeah, reach out there anytime. You can message me. You can send a friend request. You can follow me. Uh, and, and that's where I actually uh, do, do a lot of writing. That is true, right, and, or the conversation yeah. piece, I would say, uh, happens a lot there. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm always, I'm always up, so contact me. Okay, great. And also, uh, listeners, if you have not yet read Salt and Honey, if you are wanting to get that book, you can get that on her website as well, isabelabbott.com. You can just go to the tabs at the top. um, You'll see, like, writing, work with me, sanctuary, Salt and Honey, about contact. Mm -hmm. You can go to click Salt and Honey, and there you can actually purchase. You can buy right from the website. Uh, it shows that it's available on, on Amazon, but you can actually just hit the buy now and, and, and order it right there. So uh, that is a perfect opportunity to uh, get in touch, to order the book, and to find other ways um, to you know spend some more time getting to know and getting to experience Isabel Abbott. And again, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm just fascinated, and I, and I hope that I can have you on again for future conversations. I know there's so much more that we could talk about um, and, and really – I think it would be uh, to the benefit of the listeners to hear more from you. You have just a, a wonderful array of wisdom to share with the world, and I would love to have you on again. So hopefully we can work that out. Well, that'd be delightful. Thank you. Yes. All right, and listeners, um, I wanted to remind you again, obviously next week, to be sure to tune in at 3 p.m., uh, Central Standard Time. You'll be listening to Dream Interpretation by Elizabeth Harbin. You can call in and get your free dream interpretation, so make sure you're writing down those dreams. Um, thank you again, Isabel Abbott. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Girl Power Hour, and I hope that you will tune in next Wednesday, and certainly I hope that you have a wonderful week and a great weekend. Please take care of you. As always, I look forward to speaking to you again next Wednesday, 3 p.m. Central. Thanks for tuning in today, and thanks again, Isabel. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. Panera now delivers, so you can order good, clean food right to your office, or door, or porch, or backyard, or front yard, or apartment, or dorm, or castle, or shop, or worksite, or wherever. For lunch, dinner, and everywhere in between. Click the banner to order or visit PaneraBread.com. 
participating locations only. Panera, food as it should be. Panera now delivers, so you can order good, clean food right to your office, or door, or porch, or backyard, or front yard, or apartment, or dorm, or castle, or shop, or worksite, or wherever. For lunch, dinner, and everywhere in between. Click the banner to order or visit PaneraBread.com. Participating locations only. Panera. Food as it should be.